0: Welcome, everyone, to Goddard in the World podcast. My name is Amanda Laxon, and I am one of your hosts, along with Casey Corona. Hi, Casey. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Awesome. This podcast is a project of the Goddard Alumni Council, and we are highlighting Goddard alumni accomplishments out in the world. Today, our guest is Mary Abrams uh, in New York City of Moving Body Resources. Uh, Mary and I were at Goddard at the same time in <laughs> 2010, 8, 9, <laughs> <laughs> around then. Um, I don't remember when she started. We didn't start at the same time or, or finish at the same time, but we overlapped. And um, But Mary had a very long... History with what she was studying, which was um, somatic movement and uh, consciousness stu- studies. Um, you'll you'll hear all about it in the interview. Um, so Mary and I were at Goddard at the same time, but we didn't really keep in touch afterwards. Mm. And we, yeah, I mean she's not she's not huge on social media. Right. She will be the first one to tell you that. Um, and I'm not sure how huge social media was anyway in 2010. That's right. when I left Goddard. I am also, I have been and continue to hold the regional chapter chair position of the New York City chapter. Goddard, New York City chapter. And the I guess it must have been like the first year that I sort of was holding that position, Mary had reached out to the development office and offered her space, uh, which is a studio called moving body resources. She offered her space for an event for New York city chapter, you know, like for, for, you know, if Goddard ever wanted to hold an event, she was like, please come. And that, that's her space. And, cool. um, Yeah. So the development office, it was uh, Meg, Meg. Yeah, Meg. (laughs) I can't remember. Meg Hammond. Hammond. Um, So it was Meg (laughs) Hammond who was there at the time. And she reached out to me and said, hey, this woman would like to offer her space for a New York City event. Uh, Would you like to meet with her and i looked at the name and i looked at the studio and i'm like i think i know her <laughs> <laughs> because i mean we didn't know each other's last names really like it, it at Goddard, it's like you can recognize people right. and you know them but like you don't know everything and and also see, seeing a goddard uh, alumni out in the wild. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, wait, I recognize you, but why? Yeah, you know, why? Like, like I don't, I've I've never seen you in your home space <laughs> and stuff. So um I I went over to Moving Body Resources. I think I emailed her first, but uh, I, <laughs> I went over there and we had a meeting, and she was like, Oh my god, yeah, of course. You know, I remember you and uh, we realized that we had been in one of the same advising groups that happened to be a, a big one. So mm. we could not between us, we remembered different people that were in that <laughs> advising group. I mean, it was an unusually large. It was like like twelve people wow. or something. That is large, right? For mm-hmm. because like before that, I had had five, yeah, three, <laughs> six, mm-hmm. you know, and so yeah. So this was like a really big one for some reason. Um, So, yeah. So, so Mary and I met up at her studio and we just really clicked and she, she was so awesome to work with, to set up that event that year. I don't remember what year it was, but um, she was just like very helpful. And then we started having, she, she asked if I wanted to also brainstorm with Kat Lassard, who used to be a faculty member. Uh, at Goddard, at, in the IMA program, and Cat was w- like one of my favorite people, but I never had her as an advisor. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I, I see Cat all the time because she lived in the area where Moving Body Resources was." I'm like, "Sure, yeah, let's let's all meet up." And so we started meeting at Le Pain Quotidien, uh, LPQ. <laughs> it's a chain. Um, <laughs> it's but fancy yeah I know it's it's, it's it just means like our daily bread or the daily bread. um but we started meeting up at like like one of the ones in Chelsea, and we would meet up maybe I don't know. i think we I think we had like four or five meetings um to kind of discuss what this Goddard event would look like. and we <laughs> i mean i think it was strictly more than necessary like i think we just enjoyed having breakfast together (laughs) so so we would just it was like me cat and mary and we would just meet up and like kind of chat and talk about our lives and then talk oh maybe it's a salon maybe it's a meet and greet. (laughs) maybe it's a thing and then just kind of chit chat about whatever and um after the event, which went over very well, had very good turnout. Mary and I just kept meeting up because we just enjoyed we enjoyed our breakfasts, and so so we. I think we do mention it in the interview. We do like missing our smoked salmon breakfasts <laughs> that we would have, and just sitting at. So the service at most of these places, LPQs, uh, is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but the advantage is that they will let you sit there as long as you want. You know, so like we would order and then be ignored <laughs> for hours. <laughs> like, so, so that was that was both good and bad. <laughs> um, terrible
1: service. You can you can stay as long as you want, but you may not get your food. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, and I mean, forget it if you ask for um that's that's never gonna work they they will not be sponsoring
1: Um, our podcast by the way
0: (laughs) that's okay (laughs) i don't think they want to um but um but no i mean like we would have smoked salmon there and it was lovely and we just had like a lot of like really fun conversations and then eventually mary and i collaborated on a workshop that we gave at moving body resources uh called engaging with our ancestors, which I think I mentioned in my podcast, we might mention in this podcast. So now you've heard about it many <laughs> times. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just I, I really love her energy. Uh, she has, she has a very soothing way of being. Um, the, the last time I saw her in person, she rode a bike. All the way up to the Upper East Side because I it's it's COVID times and I haven't taken the train. She lives on the Lower East Side. And she rode a bike all the way up and I walked over to our meeting place. And then we just took a walk along the East River and for like hours. Mm. So, so that was our that was our meetup and Um, she, she is one of the few people that I've seen in person, but, you know, masked outside, all of that good stuff. Um, but yeah, um, look forward to the day that we can have our little long brunches again. Mm. I know that's a recurring theme about long meals with people. (laughs) (laughs)
2: It's New York. Um, It's
0: it's what happens. It's one of my favorite things to do. I, I will admit so, yeah, um, and then during the interview, we discussed her work. We discussed moving body resources and how she came to found that studio that is dedicated to movement and health and wellness. Um, we discussed somatic movement, which has played a, an enormous part uh, in her life continuum specifically. And, yeah, she she has very interesting and uh, in-depth views on – on the body and consciousness.
1: Absolutely. I, think? I just, I just love that Mary is um, very entombed. You know, she's very entombed mm. in all elements of her life. And um, it seems as though her pathway before Goddard to Goddard um, and post Goddard to what she's doing um, is really very um, – understanding of who she is you know and that's mm-hmm. a wonderful when you when you run into people that are that sort of centered it, it i don't know about you um, amanda but for me it helps me feel more centered and it helps me mm-hmm. find a place of uh balance and a place of peace and it's great to continue to connect so when you say you walk down the lower east side river for hours yeah. that makes complete sense that you would do that with mary yeah. because um she she seems as though someone that you want to just sort of um have that energy Reverberate mm-hmm. around and out of, you know, and so, and I think we talked about, you know, a lot of her dance and a lot of this um, mm-hmm. movement, and then I, I hooked into this thing of like, wow, she has this space that she's been now having since what nineteen ninety eight or something like that, like ninety seven. It's, it's been a long yeah. time, And she, she gives it kind of in a, I mean, she obviously um <clears throat> rinsed that out and stuff, but there's like this yes. freedom. There's liberation that exists to, to share that with others who are doing their own business and, and, and similar purposes. And, and, and <clears throat> it just shows that, you know, if you are centered and balanced and have your commitment in that way, um, and you're really, um, understanding who you are, there are others out there that are going to feel that and want to be a part of that. Yeah. And it can be very successful in a way that maybe isn't um, cutthroat or harmful or, you know, sort of this hard line, and instead it's more inclusive and collaborative. Mm -hmm. And Mary embodies that both from a business standpoint, from a personal standpoint, and a relationship standpoint. So it was wonderful um, to chat and get to know Mary through this interview process. That's great. Well, without further ado, let's listen to
0: our interview with Mary Abrams. Welcome, everyone, to Goddard in the World uh, podcast. Our guest today is Mary Abrams. She is a registered somatic movement educator and teaches in NYC and internationally. Her work is informed by her MA degree from Goddard College in Consciousness Studies, which was focused on embodied movement, Effective Neuroscience and Epistemics, a model for how humans create meaning, dance, and 26 years of continuum. Mary owns and directs Moving Body Resources in New York City, a space for somatic movement and wellness practitioners from around the globe. She led and taught the MA Dance and Somatic Wellbeing course from the University of Central Lancashire in the UK and USA, and she currently teaches on the Continuum Training um, at the Somatic Academy of Berlin, Germany. Mary served on the Board of Directors of the International Somatic Movement Education and Therapy Association, ISMETA, from 2002 to 2011. Welcome, Mary. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Casey. Uh, Mary, just... um, real quick because somatic is a a word that is in your bio quite a bit Um, so since somatic movement informs so much of your work, can you share a little bit about how somatic movement came into your life
2: and what it means to you? Uh, Yeah, sure Um, well, the word somatic, the root of that word is soma, which is Greek and it literally means living body As opposed to a corpse, which is a dead body. Um, So the term somatic just means living body in a generic sense. Um, Then sometime, I think it was in the 1970s or 80s, um, some different people who were working with what we would call body-oriented practices um, started to really appreciate that what, what they were working with was a whole being process, a whole living body process and recognizing that the human body is not just a physical thing in our experience of it. And also in the sense of healing and wellness and development, everything about the human being is happening all at once. So what we would call emotional, mental, spiritual and physical are all happening together. Um, and so when you're doing body work or body-oriented practices, you're also awakening what's happening for you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually as well as physically. So the term somatic movement is a way to, let say, uh, clarify an approach to our experience of being human uh, in the appreciation of the whole human being through movement and that sense of if we awake, if we enter through the physicality of our experience and the movement of that physicality, uh, how else are we awakening in the whole experience of our emotionality, mental processes or intellect and um, spiritual experience? Um, So that's my, my way of describing what somatic movement means specifically. Um, how I got into this, uh, was not in an um, uh, I didn't, it's kind of one of those things where I didn't know what I was looking for and then I found it, mm. um, or I didn't know I was looking for anything. And then I like found, realized I had what I was needing. I, I wrote about this in my thesis, of course. Um, but I, I'm a what people would call a small person—I'm short—and have always been like the shortest person uh, anywhere. Uh, and um, growing up, my sense of body—I I, I think I felt overwhelmed a lot, and loved playing, but quickly was like out, outrun, out, whatever, uh, outdone by the kids around me because they all just seemed bigger and faster and better. Um, Then when I was about six years old, the neighbor, I grew up in Iowa, and our next-door neighbor, who was 18, started teaching dance lessons, and my mom asked if I wanted to take them, and I was like, sure. So the gift of that for me was it was a context in which I could start to experience my body and really enjoy it, Mm. and she was a really good teacher because she loved the kids as much as she loved dancing. Um, So... I just kept following my love for that uh, for dance because it kept, it was like one of the clear things in my life that was giving me a positive sense of just being here. (laughs) And it was also a a place for me to feel and express emotionally and in a sense give and receive attention like that. It was okay to do it in that arena, Whereas mm-hmm. outside of that arena, you were either too much or not enough or whatever it may be. So anyway, dan- I kept dancing, danced in college, uh, found myself in New York. And, and uh, uh, again, being kind of in the off the beaten path, a little bit trajectory that I generally walk on, um, I was in what New York would call the downtown dance scene. So Mm -hmm. the off, 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 (laughs) off, off, whatever Broadway is. um, All kinds of what you could call contemporary avant-garde, exploratory dance kind of things. And during that, I I was also taking dance lessons. I was actually, many dancers of all kinds would take ballet lessons and modern dance lessons and improv lessons. And so I landed with this ballet teacher because she was really – interesting to me and she kept talking about this continuum movement the cellular movement stuff prior to that uh, in college and in in Minneapolis where I lived for a few years after college um, I had explored body mind centering and um, Elaine Summers release technique and uh, contact improv and a few other things that are now considered in that realm of somatic movement, um, okay. exploration. Uh, and so here in New York, uh, kind of being introduced to continuum through my ballet teacher, uh, it wasn't totally foreign territory, but for me with continuum, which is a breath, sound and movement, uh, inquiry into the fluidity of, of the human being, um, especially at that time in my life, I was now in my early 30s by this point, I felt like I finally kind of came home to my body in a way that I had mm. gone so far away from in focusing on dancing and being a choreographer and performing and then all the stuff that goes with that I'm really pushing my personal body in ways that were also starting to wear me out Oh, okay. physically emotionally mentally and spiritually <laughs> sure so I landed in my first continuum workshop and w- was exploring breath sound and movement and feeling like oh I it was kind of, like I said it was like coming home like some mm. from the inside out I felt like oh he, uh, here I am I know this place <laughs> why am I not hanging out here more mm. and um and so I just kept in a sense, coming home over and over and over again uh, and exploring more with um, Emily Conrad, who's the founder of Continuum Movement, and Susan Harper, who, a very long-time associate of Emily's and a very significant in developing Continuum since the 1960s and 70s, and then also working with a man named Gary David, who's, who's the one who introduced me to affective theory, affective neuroscience and um epistemology epistemics he was married to Emily conrad for 20 uh, 21 years they and uh so he was even though he's not necessarily a continuum teacher his uh you could say his being is expressing the inquiry that continuum is all about mm. so
0: You were talking about, uh, continuum, finding continuum at a time when dance was taking you away from your body in a way and, and being, um, uh, I I don't know if unproductive is the right word or unsustainable maybe. Um, uh, and, and I know that for a lot of dancers, you said you're in your like thirties that thirties is past. like Well, like a lot of people, maybe not in the modern dance world, but just from like my ballet friends, um, twenties is you, you know, the height of your career. Um, do you, do you think about continuum being something that is, would help lengthen, um, people's, abilities with their body, because, uh, you know, I I as I said, like, I just I know so many dancers that because of their ballet training, they fell out of really connecting with their own bodies um, in their 20s and then are only now I'm 40 now. And like people who are my contemporaries um, are only now just starting to re- engage with our bodies um Mm -hmm. yeah so so what do you
2: what do you think about that (laughs) ah well a lot of things to offer in response um Mm and i and i just kind of stepping back just a moment uh continuum or continuum movement um is an example of somatic movement practice. There's many okay. other ones, like I named body-mind centering and um, Elaine Summers' release technique. And, the, you know, the list goes on and on and on.
0: Okay.
2: Um, I'm trying not to get too complex here in my response, but <laughs> one okay. thing I think it's important to appreciate is as a, as a biological process, expression of life, the human body... Um the development of our human body and all of our systems within the first third of that happens in utero. Okay. So if you think about that however long you live th- a third of your entire physical development happens in 9 months in utero. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the next third takes the first 30 years of your life. What? Yeah. So in that first 30 years of our lives, we are learning our bodies. Mm. Mm. And in the process of learning our bodies, we're not just learning what it is to be like this living system free of any outward input. We're learning this experience of being alive in a physical body and movement and all that comes with that in the context of the physical environment the the natural world and the social cultural environment. So we learn all, we get all kinds of messages about how to move, how not to move, when to move, when to sit still, um, how to sound, how not to sound. All of those things are, are part of how we learn our bodies and how we move. Then, some of us take on or get interested in training our bodies to move in certain ways. That's those things. There's nothing wrong with that. Again, Mm -hmm. it's another way in which we kind of layer in a perception of body and what it means to move, Mm -hmm. but that's limited. It's not about the organic development of this body so much as it is about a cultural overlay because Mm -hmm. all movement systems uh, as classical arts being, a, you know, really specific expressions of a movement system are, are an overlay. Okay, that
1: makes sense.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we learn how to do these amazing things, right? That that are appropriate and truly expressive within the context of that um, cultural expression, mm-hmm. just like language, right? Mm-hmm. So. After 30, our nervous system is basically developed. So the next however many years of life you live after 30, it's really kind of your creative time to Mm. keep learning, unlearn a bunch of things you maybe learned that aren't really going to serve you so well for the next however many years you're alive. And it's also an opportunity to start to experience your body as an inquiry. It's not a fixed thing to be mastered only. You, mastery of your body only goes so far because there's too much about biology. We'll never understand and never know. And the world is a moving world of moving experiences. So new, new things are going to come in to inform you from the environment, from the social, cultural world, And that's an opportunity to keep learning what is my body now and what is being needed now and what is movement and what kind of movement is supportive Um, and also in a sense being like hungered for. And, And then, of course, that question, this inquiry keeps changing as you keep Getting older because your body's been around now for how many years and decades and it's been working hard mm-hmm. and it's going to need different kinds of stimulation than it needed when you were 10, 20, 30, 40, even 50 and so on and so on. I'm just going to pause there. I'm not, I think I responded to your question. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's great. You, no, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so, what what is it that brought you to Goddard um, with all of your studies that you had already been working on uh, with Continuum and
2: yeah, somatic movement? Um. Well, I started being curious about what what would it be for me to get. Well, at first, I was thinking PhD. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> right? And and I think in that sense, like, I was looking for some kind of challenge and, and also looking for something to organize me to write in a way mm-hmm. that I hadn't written for ever, but definitely not since graduated from my undergrad, which I did in 1984. Okay. Um, and so I started wondering about that, and then – I started looking into various programs. I didn't want to necessarily get a master's or a PhD in dance because I Mm. wasn't looking to teach in a dance institution um, or be a dance academic. I felt like there are already plenty of those. And with my interest in somatic movement, I knew I was looking for something more interdisciplinary. Okay. Um... And so I started looking at programs and then accepted that I was going to have to get a master's degree before a PhD, no matter how I do it. And looking for interdisciplinary options. And I had mentioned Gary David earlier. He Mm -hmm. got a PhD through, oh gosh, what's that name of that? It's a university without walls. I don't even know if it exists in the same way it used to. Used to be in Vermont. I think. Is it Antioch? Oh,
1: Union. Union? Antioch.
2: <laughs> union. I think it's Union. We're having different things. Okay. Yeah. I think it was okay. Union. Yeah, it wasn't Antioch though, but I've heard of Antioch. Um, mm. so I kind of looked into that and and then and Goddard kind of popped up in there. And then I remembered mm. back in the late eighties when I first moved to New York and was a in the emerging artists world of I've, i belonged to this um, organization called the field, which was all about supporting emerging artists. And they did this, they somehow got connected with Goddard. And I went to Goddard in the middle of the winter with like Hmm. four other dance choreographer artists. I think we were my, it's like my memory of, it's a bit of a dream. (laughs) We were kind of like the only, Yeah, yeah. we were kind of like the only people there for a while, but then students did come and we did meet some students. Anyway, we just had, we like rehearsed in the the Hay Barn Theater every day, just us. We made our own food until the students came and then we started eating in the cafeteria but i remember it was really cold and really snowy (laughs) and that was what i knew goddard in february or whenever
0: yeah in winter
2: and i didn't really know anything else about goddard other than the i remember meeting the few people we talked to and we did a performance for them that much i remember yeah
0: yeah, I was going to say, what what were you doing there? Right. I mean, you were doing a performance for the students who yeah. were at residency or yeah, or, yeah something family.
1: like that. She could have just been hanging out, you know, in Goddard. I mean, people were right. to her. I mean, I don't think they, uh, anyone would have noticed. Yeah, I mean, just been, hey, yeah, we stopped up here in Central Vermont for a week and, you
2: know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was a very Goddard like performance because we showed them stuff we were working on and yeah. it wasn't finished. And I think one of the people with us had a couple maybe there are a couple finished pieces they brought with them and we shared those too. But anyway, so Goddard sort of pops up and suddenly I make this connection. I was like, well, let me check this out. And then I Mm -hmm. started looking at how their programs were designed and I thought, oh my gosh, here it is. Mm -hmm. The individualized studies IMA program where I don't have to take any classes I don't want to take. I can really focus on the things I'm interested in and I get to be with people for, you know, twice a semester. So I'm not just out here on my own or doing yeah. it all remotely with some advisor. And I don't know, the whole structure just made complete sense for me in terms of mm-hmm. the, what I wanted in terms of contact and the kind of freedom that I wanted as well. And, so, and the price was good, too. I had no idea I was going to fund this. Um, and uh and so I applied and I was accepted and then I went to Goddard and I'm so glad I did.
0: That's yeah. awesome. Now I know that, it, so Mary for, for listeners, uh, Mary and I were at Goddard at the same time. We overlapped. Um, I graduated in 2010. I think you were, may, might be the year after.
2: Yeah. I graduated in 11.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, But um, so, you know, the faculty, of course, is the same and we had uh, uh, some of the same advisors. Um, And so at the time that you and I were both there, embodiment studies was not yet a concentration, which I believe it is now. Mm -hmm. um, But they were kind of feeling it out Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) as we would have the... uh, what do they call it the colloquium or right. um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, which i didn't never understood what it was i am like it, it's just we're just hanging out and talking about embodiment right like right. it's not a like formal thing right mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um so i it, it wasn't a concentration that you would have been able to uh focus in but um but but nevertheless i think some people claimed it as one, um, and claimed it as, uh, or, or the adv- their advisors said, your embodiment studies <laughs> and stuff like that. So, um, you ended up being consciousness studies. Um, and so how, you know, first of all, what was embodiment studies something that you had been thinking about as part of the, your, your work, obviously, because it's very embodied. Um, Or was consciousness studies something that you, um, because the way you see the world um, is through your body, uh, was that something that felt Mm -hmm. more at home for you?
2: Well, I definitely thought of myself as an embodiment studies kind of person. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely biased in that direction, whatever that really means. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, Started at Goddard, as I mentioned, as an individualized studies IMA uh, because I wanted the most freedom to do what I was interested in. And um, part of the inspiration for the MA was I wanted to actually dive deeper into things I'd been in practice with and also been informally learning about for a decade or so,
0: Um,
2: specifically being embodiment practice or movement Somatic movement practice, um, affective theory, and um, epistemics, in particular epistemology. And so, that's how I started. And I did two semesters as an IMA. And my second semester advisor uh, started really, um, well... She fortunately paid attention to me, and <laughs> and you know was recognizing what I was doing. And uh, my third semester, thanks to a good friend that I made at Goddard, Erin, um, who was consciousness studies it, with an mm. embodiment uh, interest. Um, mm. She kept sort of saying, "Why aren't you? Wh- why don't you check out consciousness studies? Year, blah blah blah." And then we had the same advisor the third semester who was the consciousness studies uh, coordinator or whatever they, the title they gave Francis Charette and my second semester uh, advisor, Karen Campbell, you know, really close colleagues with Francis. I'm going to say outed me as a consciousness (laughs) studies. And, and sorry, this is sort of a, an inside story but uh, so then we go to that opening gathering that you we always had that first or second night you're at goddard when you're just Mm -hmm. talking to advisors and i'm talking to francis and aaron's standing next to me and he says to me oh yeah uh campbell says your consciousness studies waiting to come out of the closet (laughs) (laughs) i was like what me am i am i (laughs) Well, I don't know about this. He said, well, why don't you just come to the, that meeting they have in the beginning and just find out what consciousness studies is. And I was like, well, I can do that finally after a whole year of, you know, being right. fiercely independent. And <laughs> um, so I went and I was like, oh, duh. You know, here's the <laughs> best explanation of consciousness I've ever seen. It wasn't mm. hyper new agey or this or that or the other thing, which I think was always my resistance because there's ways in which the term consciousness is used that are too reductive in my opinion. Okay. But at mm-hmm. Goddard, it's a clearly a multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary approach to the question of consciousness. Mm. And so including um you know, philosophy and neuroscience and the arts and humanities and spirituality, and then the transpersonal psychological aspect of consciousness um all of those things were you know involved in your consciousness studies concentration, what you had to sort of fulfill all of those different there were four quadrants in the way he had it set up, and okay. I had already fulfilled uh, had fulfilled three quarters of the pie because I was doing neuroscience in relationship to um Affective theory, which is the sort of the biology of emotion, and I was do I had looked into um, philosophy in the flesh. So uh, thanks to Karen Campbell and I think Ellie um, Ellie Epp, Mm -hmm. and um, I had done I was doing the arts and humanities kind of all over the place because that you know I come from the practice arts oriented approach to things. Anyway, the, what I hadn't full, full really looked into was sort of the spiritual transpersonal aspects of the question of consciousness and just like what is consciousness, like looking into that question from a like a philosophical and um, sort of scientific orientation specifically. So I was like, okay, I'll shift to consciousness studies. And then I went and talked to our um, head program director, I guess their name, uh, Ruth, 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 Ruth. Farmer, that's her name, yes, she, who was amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, she kind of looked at what I was doing and everything, and she said, yeah, I think you can do this because it's a little unusual to shift into a concentration halfway through your degree um, when you only have one more semester before you're supposed to start writing your final product. So, yeah. I did that too so though. that's how it happened. Good, I'm glad I'm not alone. You're not. very got
1: <laughs> to do that actually for some people.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So that's how it happened. And I oh, and so let me just add to that, that uh, it was the best choice I could have made. So I'm really glad I got outed because um, it gave all of my work a bigger context in which to exist. And mm. in a way, filling in those kind of gaps, like diving in deeper into theory behind and different articulations of authors and researchers behind the things I was already familiar with. But then recognizing all of that and this bigger question of what is consciousness and what are we mm-hmm. doing here as human beings, um, it, it helped me actually see my life and my work of the last 20 years prior to that um, much more fully. And I really, I still feel like I'm learning the meaning of that from my Goddard time.
1: I, I think that's beautiful. That is uh, very encapsulating as an educator uh, myself and alternative and progressive educator. I, I think what Goddard allows for people to do is um, – both reflectively and moving forward um, on their work, moving forward and in the cont- context of when they're actually doing that work at the school, there's this holistic element that exists about seeing the work prior and, and going forward and, and living in that process and having it as part of this um, larger existence, whether you are sort of magnifying that um, and broadening out or also at the same time, usually at the same time, um, able to sharpen and to dig down into the very specifics as well. So Mary, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when we, we, before we opened up this podcast, we were talking with you about the idea of, you know, it just sort of existed Goddard. And yet here's your background in the late eighties showing up and doing a performance right. there. And then being in New York and this avant-garde sort of dance area in downtown. And, you know, there's so many things, you can see the layers of that that give so much context and then, sharpening that and, and listening to that you know it seems mm-hmm. as though you're very in touch both from a professional and personal and body element of continually listening to your body and, and what that takes you to do and how to share that with others
2: mm. Mm. <laughs> thank you yeah it's uh, great to hear how how in a sense our, our our Goddard experience is kind of singing the same chorus <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Well
0: and I love that what you just said about um con the consciousness studies giving you a framework uh, for the work you had done prior mm-hmm. and continue to do mm-hmm. now, which is Very cool. You're selling me on this consciousness studies thing that I had no interest in when I was there. (laughs) I stayed far away from the consciousness studies people. No, not the people, just the concentration. Um because I was I was a TLA. -er. So we have our own group of people. Um Mm It's it's its own cult, um, <laughs> or co- I mean concentration. Um, <laughs> so bringing bringing this around to um, what we, what you are doing today, mm-hmm. you uh, moving body resources is uh, something you opened. While well, you were you still at Goddard when you opened moving body resources?
2: Oh, I had opened moving body resources. Well, I, it opened in
0: 1999.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, okay. So, oh, wow. Wow. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, opening Moving Body Resources and then like what Moving Body Resources becomes because it's n- never what I think it's supposed to be. It has a life of its own. Um, it had grown a lot in those years. Um, okay. From 1999 so till 2009. Yeah. Okay. So what, that was 10 uh, years later, right?
0: Yeah. That was 10 years. Yeah. 2000 No, wait. Oh, 2009 is when you started at Goddard. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um so for those who don't know, uh can you can you talk a little bit about Moving Body Resources, how it started and where it has developed into?
2: Yeah. So Moving Body Resources um sprang out of my Need to develop myself, uh, you could say, exploring with people, learning, Mm -hmm. exploring, uh, facilitating. So, uh, teaching classes, workshops, um, doing individual sessions with people, and also um, bringing in certain teachers of mine and colleagues periodically to teach workshops in New York City. Mm -hmm. Um, And because... You know, somatic movement is still a very, very, very emerging field in the world. And, you know, 26, 20 some years ago, it was that much more there. Um, In order to be able to fund a space, an actual physical space, uh, it became necessary to rent space to other people. Something I thought I'd never wanted to do because, you know, then you're organizing space and people and schedules and administration and all of those things that I, you know, always tried to stay as minimal as possible, but keep adding more and more to my life. So, <laughs> but out of the necessity of needing to share space in order to afford it, I started renting space to all kinds of teachers and practitioners. Um, the first space I was in with Moving Body Resources, I literally shared with the Pilates training program for about two uh-huh. and a half years. It was called the Kane School of Core Integration, which I know still exists. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly that name anymore, but the, same, the that school has evolved as well. Um, after two and a half years, I stopped sharing space with them. They expanded into that space. I moved to the other side of that same building. Actually, this was on 18th between 5th and Broadway and uh, had my moving body resources had its first own space where there were three small offices for people to do all kinds of private practice, massage therapy, healing work, body work, whatever kind of work, psychotherapy, other kinds of energy work. And then we had a movement studio. Uh, after four and a half years in that space, we moved to where we are now, which where we've been for, it'll be 15 years, starting wow. Monday, a week from now. Um, yeah. And now we have a 4,000 4, square foot whole floor space of a small building on 27th Street, between 6th and 7th. And in, you know, we definitely grew. This was in 2006 when we, we moved into this space. And uh, just because of the nature of this space and having been around as, uh, as long as uh, we had more and more teachers and practitioners doing all kinds of different training programs in things like cranial sacral therapy, structural integration, meditation, um, tantra work, um, yoga, uh, you know, classes in all dance therapy, uh, And then all kinds of private practice as well, Um, you know, a lot of uh, different um, Chinese medicine-based practices um, as well as massage therapy and psychotherapy and, um, you know, you name it, somebody is doing it at my studio at some (laughs) point. Um, And so I'd say, you know, over well over thousands of practitioners and people have been, you know, utilizing the space in some way. And so it's become this amazing, uh, international local, national and international community of people, huge range of diversity of, of cultures and ages, uh, being able to either work there or, um, participate in the kind of work that they're interested in receiving. Um, and it's all based. I, I don't hire anybody. I'm not mm-hmm. employing anyone. They're all working for themselves. Um, I just make sure the space is uh, there and usable and as affordable as possible for New York City. <laughs> do
0: they have communication with each other? Like, do they do they meet each other ever? Or do you hold events to for the, all the
2: practitioners? Mostly it happens organically, <laughs> which is mm-hmm. also mostly how the whole thing's grown. I don't really do any official advertising other than make sure we you can hopefully find us on the internet. Um, <laughs> you, but, y- yes, you can find you on there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but people who are either there at the same time working will, you uh-huh. know, see each other in the lobby and meet and talk exchange that way um, on and off throughout the years. We've held um, lunches where you know, okay. people bring their own lunch and we'll just sit around and talk and meet each other. Um, you know, the, it's, it's kind of a tricky thing because people who work for themselves and also in New York city, I think to a certain degree, everybody's lives are quite full. And so the whole concept of networking, it, it's, it's, I, am not, I, I'm, I love networking when it feels like it, it just kind of organically grows out of how we move together. And I'm using mm-hmm. that word move in a very general sense. Um, I know everybody in marketing would argue with me about this and that's fine because they need, they do it in different ways, but, but different people seem to meet each other. Community networking has grown and we always have a holiday party every year. And that seems to be a great way for people just to come together and celebrate and chat Mm -hmm. and talk and meet each other further. If they have always been curious to have a conversation.
0: Mm -hmm. Nice. So, you've been running a successful business uh spe- like especially like a rental business mm-hmm. in new york for 22 years um and you've your tenants have found you organically like how how have you managed to maintain your business in besides this year we'll talk about this in this past yeah. year um uh, in a bit, yeah. But how have you managed to uh, maintain your business this whole time?
2: Yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure it's been about ninety eight percent word of mouth. Wow. Um, different practitioners uh, are talking to each other. They like they know each other from somewhere, and somebody yeah. says, "Oh, you're looking for space? You know, you might want to check out Moving Body Resources." Um, that happened. That's happened. I'd say most of it or somebody comes there to take a class or have a session with somebody and they're like, oh, I know so-and-so who's looking for a space. Let me tell them about this place. Um, or they're a practitioner themselves and they're wanting to either shift where they've been working or at another location because we rent by the hour, by the day, by the month. On, you know, it, mm. you can rent any way you want so you don't necessarily have to become a put your whole practice in our space unless that's what you want to do. Um, So I think that that's really how most of it's happened over the years. Uh, The cumulative effect of that is amazing. And then because you can find us online, (laughs) I've heard. (laughs) It's there. I haven't haven't totally made it impossible. Um, Mm -hmm. Then, you know, sometimes people are searching for spaces in New York and they come across Mm -hmm. us and then they'll inquire.
1: Mary yeah. that, that that's that is that really is incredible as amanda has talked about because um i think that's a real challenge and even in an emerging place like new york that has a vibrant you know probably one of the most if not the most city oriented art scenes right in the world it still seems as though um it's an incredible ability to do that almost word of mouth and to grow organically and naturally let me ask you this question which you probably I'm assuming you're probably going to say, no, I don't really want to do that. Look at how this has kind of grown out on its own. But have you ever thought about um, sharing that kind of process or practice with other, um, I would say maybe, I don't know, like if entrepreneurial kind of people or people who are looking to share that space or create a space for others, for um, multi-layered kind of um, artistic individuals, because it sounds like, even if you say, oh, it's just the sort of natural organic and grown out of process and word of mouth, obviously you've tapped into something there um, to be able to create that space, to to have um, a growth like that with various artists and being able to charge at various levels and monthly and, and having a part. Like it just seems um, maybe there's just a naturalness that's that's with you and doing that and developing that. I know that I, I can only imagine in places like Chicago and down in like Miami, I can think in LA, there could be a lot of um, usefulness and, and, mm-hmm. and um, I know up here in the Northwest as well, uh, where that would be a real benefit for people who are always kind of struggling in that sort of um, contextual kind of, you know, tension between finding that space, running that space. How do you collaborate with that? So, um, I don't know I, it's pretty pretty incredible have you ever thought about sharing that or, or how that process has unfolded
2: I would be happy to share it um, more specifically in that way um, I it's a funny thing I I don't know that I would know how to organize myself to go out there and sort of, right. I'm going to share this with you. Um, but if people invited me to have conversations and want to, I would say sort of support and facilitate them in a process with that, I'd certainly be interested in that. Cause that sounds like the work that I like, what inspired me to be doing any of this anyway. Um, yeah. You know, one thing is clear it, it as much as I'm, my passion is in teaching and being with people and the deeper creative process that that's all about through breath, sound, movement, inquiry, you know, the layers. Um, administrative work satisfies something in me. Mm. It's kind of like doing the dishes. I It's a task. There are tasks involved. They, um, you know, if they're done or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a there's a more kind of uh, concrete specificness to that process. Having said all of that in terms of the nuts and bolts and practicalities of running a business and rentals and scheduling and stuff, I mean, I I have for many years now had a part-time employee who helps to manage mm-hmm. all of certain aspects of that, although I'm like the overseer of everything and probably still do way too much of it than I'm supposed to uh, at the, you know, as the owner of the business, whatever. But um, there's also a commitment to the people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, human beings are really complex. They're amazing. They're wonderful. They're messy. They are mm-hmm. um, require lots of interested attention and patience. And, you know, we, I really try to do the best we can with that. Uh, it's not always easy. Sometimes it's very difficult and things happen that you can't control. And so how you ride the waves with all of that is also part of how we endure. Um, and then I just want to add one other thing. You know, the space we've been in for the last 15 years, we have the one of the most amazing landlords I think exists on the planet. Um, I, I He's got one of those archangel names and uh, I often refer to <laughs> him as my – Archangel landlord because um, especially during this time of the pandemic, um, I, I, I know I wouldn't be help continuing to hold the space without that kind of level of support. And so I really feel like I was kind of gifted with this landlord, but somehow also knew to choose this space because of this landlord. Mm. And then I'll add one other thing. It's literally a physically very beautiful space. Um, and I I think that makes all the difference (laughs) in terms of, uh, why it's been successful, why we've been more successful in this last 15 years. Um, the first
0: thing I want to say, um, as far as, uh, you know, what, what Casey was talking about, sharing your knowledge, your business acumen, um, we, I, I am working with, uh, one of the alumni council members to start that these business happy hours. Um, and we are definitely going to invite you to come and talk and, you know, maybe we can, uh, we'll pitch something more specific later, but, um, because that would be awesome. I'm sure there are people who are looking, I know not, maybe not right now, but like, you know, in the future, like looking for, uh, uh, a way to hold community together. um, but on that note, given the pandemic, um, given this past year and um, how challenging it has been, challenging, impossible to get together in person with anybody, um, but included, but especially at your space at Moving Body Resources, um, how, how have you been coping with this past year? And the current challenges of it, mm. <laughs> space-wise, business-wise, personal—like, <laughs> yeah. go wherever you like. Yeah, talk yeah. about
2: a somatic experience. I know it's definitely on every level. Um, and I, I, I really want to just take a few moments and appreciate. You you offering me the opportunity to feel into that question with you here on this podcast. Um, It's really hard. Yeah. It doesn't get any easier any day. It's not to say that um, I have this, I've been having a dreadful experience the whole time. I'm not having a dreadful experience. It's just, Uh, really sad because the space really does exist because of all the people that I spoke about as much as I love my own teaching and practice and being with people. um, Kind of like Campbell and Francis Charette, the space calls me out, gets me out of my closet and reminds me that I exist in a much bigger world. So it's been empty you know, as soon as a certain level of the, the pandemic became apparent and the fear started kicking in, you know, everybody just started disappearing. So since uh, early March of last year, we've been next to empty. And what I mean by that is we're used to having, let's say, 10, 20, maybe 30 practitioners a week come and go in terms of different ways of rentals, people on mm-hmm. the weekends teaching Weeknights, weekends, teaching classes, uh, doing workshops. None of that. We've had, bless this person, one practitioner who, since we could reopen in July, he has one client who really wants to see him, and they come and they practice safely. Um, Mm -hmm. We see him almost every week once. (laughs) Um, Lately, a a handful of a few other people, but that's it. So, uh, given that... Uh, the rent is $12,000 a month. I can't support that by myself with my own teaching, um, which I've been able to do online. Um, So that it's hard because it's not just the practicality of how do you raise cash for sustaining a space. Oh, and to top it off, I had signed a new, uh, our third lease in this space. Uh, I do a Mm -hmm. seven-year lease with this particular landlord. It started Mm -hmm. February 1st, 2020. Oh, my Mm gosh. So I'm, you know, just one year now into this brand new lease and looking at six more years and how how do we do this? Um, I could have decided to fold uh, last year or I could still just decide to fold it, and I, you know, I don't know that that might not be forced upon me. But um, let, last summer, after kind of waiting to see what would happen and feeling out you know, the government aid options and et cetera, et cetera, um, I, it just became really clear to me that whatever the losses that I'm going to incur one way or the other, uh, it just seemed like I need to personally be stay committed to keeping this space alive as long as possible. And yeah. in the interest of getting through the pandemic and being vibrant beyond. I, n- I don't think it's about going back to normal. I don't think it's about going back to anything. Um, it's just like, what are we becoming because of all of this? And this includes whatever moving body resources is and the physical space that um, we're holding. And I use the word we a lot because, well, you know, yeah, I'm paying the bills. And, yeah, I have the lease. And, yeah, I got the fiscal responsibility. Blah, blah, blah. It's not really me because, I, like I said, I couldn't do any of this without this much bigger body of people.
0: Right.
2: So... Um, after getting a PPP loan that I used up and then had to put my employee, you know, lay him off um, at the end of the year, I, I did get an EIDL loan. Um, you know, but it's a tricky thing. Like how, how much can I go into debt that I'm going to have to pay off in the future whenever that future arises? So long story short, I decided to go for a crowdfunding campaign. Which mm-hmm. has been amazing. It started in December. I've got the total goal to get us through this whole year, at least. Because I'm, yeah, I'm guessing and assuming we're going to be a little bit more mobile with business happening by the end of the year. We'll see. Um, so I'm. I, and the most important thing about the campaign it has is awoken for me again that there's a much bigger body of people out there. The space has meaning, and mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter if somebody just says this is so great i'm so glad you're doing it donates five dollars a thousand dollars uh our biggest donor so far is two thousand dollars um it all just makes me go oh yeah okay this is it this is has meaning for a much bigger uh world and mm-hmm. this space whatever it is physically it's also uh symbolic of what we really need and so that's what i'm doing and then you know basically it's a cash flow like mm-hmm. just keep the cash flowing in and out enough but not too much out at this point so anything i can just say ah that doesn't get paid off or that gets paid this tiny bit or hey landlord what what about this month <laughs> <laughs> um you know I, yeah. I i and i guess the hard part is is just uh having to have those conversations every month when it was so much nicer to just go, great, I'm going to pay all the bills. I'm going to pay my Goddard tuition, (laughs) (laughs) which I was doing back when, Um, you know, and just knowing that it was all just enough. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, this is, it's a successful business, uh, in my opinion. I don't know that a business person would say it's tremendously successful financially, in fact, I was turned down for a loan because they asked me, given that you don't know you're going to make a profit until when, why would you want this loan? And I said, because I'm committed to the greater meaning of this. And if I personally have to just volunteer my time in managing this business for the next six years, then I will do that.
0: Hmm.
2: I've never been in this to really make money off the business itself. I want to make a living teaching. And this supports that. Um, And right now I'm so, so, so grateful for Zoom and formats and people just saying they will come be with me for that reason because they're keeping my personal life going financially. And then, you know, the rest, then there's just this other, you know, new exploration of what does it mean to, to support the finances of this bigger space. So... Again, that's a long-winded response to your very kind question. <laughs> um, uh, I'm coping through my work in some ways and just through taking walks and being really present with the physical world around me. It, uh, I've got a great river next door called the East River. Uh, I've taken walks <laughs> with Amanda with our masks and yes. uh, yeah also along the East River Also but along not the or, upper part of. Or- yeah, yeah, we're
0: far away from each other, but yeah. that East River goes all the way up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah, you know, writing, drawing, breathing, moving, yeah. resting a lot. So, I, I mean, you know, I'm doing what everybody else is doing to cope through this time. And so grateful for these kinds of conversations, too definitely um
0: before we go i want to i want to make sure that we mention the save the space mbr crowdfunding campaign um you mentioned it a little bit earlier but mm-hmm. um uh let's just uh talk about that um how how have you set it up uh what's what's happening how can people donate um all of the all of the good stuff.
2: Well, we'll start with the most simple thing. You can donate literally by uh, calling me, emailing me, and asking me how to do it. Um, Great. You can send me a check. You can PayPal. Um, we do have a GoFundMe site as mm-hmm. well, so you can go to GoFundMe. I think if you just do Moving Body Resources, it'll show up. Mm-hmm. Go to the website, Um, Mm movingbodyresources.com. You'll see there's a little thing at the top. You can click on Save the Space MBR. I think also on that opening page, you get a button that says, go here. Um, So the campaign is, I think, is kind of amazing. Um, So besides just sending money, which some people like to do because there's nothing else you have to do after that, um, you can attend an event. Um, some of them are workshops or classes. Some of them I'm teaching. Some of them I'm just, um, yeah, what do you call it, promoting. Mm-hmm. And they're being gifted to all the money that comes in is being given to to the space, um, the campaign. Um, there are... Uh, Moving body salons, which are these performance events we have one coming up on January 30th. And I think another mm-hmm. one at the end of March, um, mm-hmm. this, we got it list host nine or 10 performers. It's about two or three hours online zoom. It's a really, a really wonderful event. Everybody's so amazingly talented, no matter whether their work is improvised or highly crafted community exchange a little bit after each performance, really a treat. Um, there's some thank you gifts. So you can go on to the that part. There's like moving breathing sessions. There's healing body work massage sessions. We have a few uh, services. We've got a great editor who uh, uh, who is actually a massage therapist, but he's offering his editing services if you're need, if you writing a book oh. or a paper and you want some uh, uh, professional editing. Um, nice. Anyway, things like that. So you, if you go to those pages on the website that you'll all get on that little click down thing. You can check out what's there, donate that amount of money, and I'll send you a gift certificate. Um, Then I've also uh, created this category for um, renting space, which you can rent literally, like you can rent the space and come use it, um, which you're allowed to do, by the way, uh, with your own pod or just yourself personally. Um, And and, – or you can just hold, have this rent the space and hold it there for yourself virtually. Um, okay. Magic happens when you do that. That's all I can say. Um, but yeah, there's different ways to participate, and that's why I like the campaign because it's not, you know, there's options, and you can mm-hmm. keep coming back and participating more and more. And uh, again, it's like you can, you can donate a dollar, you could donate a million dollars. Um, of course, if you did, we'd be way beyond our goal, and then we'd have to stop the campaign, and you just have to come <laughs> over. But um, uh, yeah, so moving That's body awesome. resources, save the space MBR.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I uh, this is not going to be out before then, but I, okay. I am coming to the January thirtieth. <laughs> The one in four days. <laughs> right. I will be going to the January 30th salon, um, at least for part of it. Um, but I'm excited to know that you are going to be doing more of them. Um, here I see February 3 and March 24, but I'm not sure if that's – is that
2: right? Or? Uh, those aren't salons. Those are classes oh. I'm teaching. And speaking of the Somatic oh. Academy of Berlin, they are sponsoring me to teach those classes. And they'll be uh, – uh, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on awesome. February 3rd and March 24th. So, um, yeah, it's another great way to donate. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, and
0: <laughs> we're, we'll we'll be out of time, I'm sure, but um, can you tell us a li- just a little bit about um, if someone signs up for one of your classes, what they're going to experience?
2: Well, I don't know what they're going to experience.
1: Because
2: <laughs> uh, I don't live inside maybe anybody's I, maybe body. Maybe I should
0: t- say what I've experienced when I've
2: attended well, one of your. I'll, but I
0: don't know if it's the same kind of class. Well, so I'll tell
2: I- you mostly what I'm going to offer them in terms of exploration and practice. And then maybe you can talk about what you've experienced. Okay. <laughs> so a basic class with me. And I, my weekly classes are called Moving Body Innovations, and they are based on my continuum work. Um, I'll, uh, we do a little check-in with the group so everybody can hear each other where we are in the world and what's happening with our bodies a little bit. And then I usually, since as, as I've been teaching on Zoom, I guide people through some breath, sound, and movement exploration. So basically I'm guiding them through a sequence of things. Um, There might be two or three different breath sounds that we'll play with. Um, That's to create, get your breath moving, which is a way to awaken fluidity and micro movement in your body and your tissues. Um, Then I'll suggest ways to explore uh, really open movement. We don't I'm not going to say lift your arm, do this, do that, 10 counts this way, 10 counts that. This is not, it's really more of an open, creative, feeling your way with movement process, all in the interest of uh, fluidity. So basically, I lead people through a breath, sound, movement sequence. And then we pause for a little bit. I check in, ask people. Tell me what your questions are. How's it going? What's happening? And then we dive back in with that sequence. So I'll reiterate the sequence. Go through it again in case people have questions. And then everybody explores the sequence in their own timing. So I stop dictating. Do this. Now let it pause. Now do this thing. I stop dictating everybody's inner... Bodily intelligence gets to work with their own timing in terms of how long they want to hang out with a breath or a sound, how long they want to explore some movement, say, with their arms or legs, when they want that to rest. And the sequence can be um, – you can come back and begin the sequence and do it more than once. That's called layering. So that's, that's the basic way the format of the class goes. So it's breath, sound, movement. And being open to what you discover about your own experience.
0: Hmm. That's beautiful.
2: Um, it is
0: a very... Relaxing is the wrong word and meditative is also not the right word. Um, but... so I don't know what the right words are. But um, when I have been in your classes um, and when we have... Talked about the kind of work that you do when we were when we you and I were creating a workshop, um, our embodied history workshop. Um, the way that you have described it to me was uh, creating an environment or or feeling your way in your own environment, um, and that that is that is how I felt when I have been in your classes. It, it, it has felt really like to use a term that you used earlier, coming home mm-hmm. to your own body, um, making sounds like, you know, the, the, the sounds that, you know, humming or whatever sound it is um, and just sort of, sitting with that mm-hmm. or or continuing in that um, it is a very interesting and um, alive and also quiet experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel very rested after it, but also like I did a lot, <laughs> like, which is a really strange way to be um, especially. Not on substances, <laughs> like, you know. Like it's truly just mm-hmm. spending. I mean, if you can imagine what it might be like to spend two hours just in f- awareness of yourself and of your body, it is. It's it's an incredible experience. Mm. Um, and Mary is an excellent facilitator, mm. uh, teacher. So um, I highly recommend. Everyone, sign up for her classes. These are amazing, and donate to the campaign. Um, the space. I will be posting a bunch of pictures because I have taken a bunch of pictures of the space. Yeah, they're amazing. In my time, <laughs> thank you. This space is amazing, um, and so um, you know, keep the save the space. That's mm. that's the name of the campaign, and it is appropriate. Thank so, you.
2: Th- thank you so much, Mary. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Of course. I forgot. The salon, even though it's going to happen after this, you can donate and I will send you a link so you can actually experience the salon recorded anytime you want. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's great.
0: That's great. I can't wait. Thank, Thank you, you, Thank so you much. so
2: much. Thank you guys so Thank much. You. Thank you for joining um, us today. Well, thank you guys. What a fun way to spend a snowy afternoon. I'm so glad I stayed <laughs> home to be with you guys.
0: Yeah, don't go out in the wet snow. <laughs> it's, who needs that? Yeah. It's ugh, yuck. Mm, thank awesome. you. I'm excited thank about these you. podcasts. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our interview with Mary Abrams. To find more information about the things that we discussed and some of the resources, please look at our show notes.
1: Also, please feel free to sign up or register at Goddardalumni.com for for more information and current projects that are happening with Goddard alumni.
0: Some of those projects are we are creating a business happy hour uh, to network all of people who Goddard alumni who are involved in creating their own business. Uh, The alumni weekend committee is seeking Goddard artists to submit designs for the 2021 alumni weekend logo. And there is the ongoing alumni ambassador program, uh, which you can volunteer for and be connected to prospective students and talk up Goddard, (laughs) talk about your experience with Goddard. Thanks again for listening to Goddard in the World podcast.
1: This podcast is a project of Goddard Alumni Council.
0: It is produced and hosted by Casey Corona and Amanda Faye Laxon. It is edited by Amanda Faye Laxon.
1: If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or would like more information, please visit goddardalumni.com slash podcast.
0: Please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.